Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I have lots of topics to cover again on this Easter Sunday morning. And as always, I welcome your thoughts and comments at 1-877-337-6666. First of all, how about that Gonzaga-UCLA game last night? I mean, it was just so impressive in, in so many ways. And, you know, it, it certainly appeared that Jalen Suggs, well, looked like he actually knew that he was going to be right on the mark just as he launched his winning buzzer beater. It was just a, a tremendous performance uh, by Suggs and by both teams, quite frankly. Okay, now last week I mentioned that there's a, a summer college baseball league that is embarking on a new way to help finance themselves. It's the Northwoods League, and I want to basically cover that situation with you and get your thoughts. And also, the the United States Supreme Court, well, they heard arguments this past week about whether college athletes can earn money from endorsements uh, stemming from their name, their likeness, and their licenses. Uh, This would have a tremendous impact on college sports, and basically, the question I'm going to pose to you is, it, is a time finally come to recognize that college athletes who are in scholarship, that they are really, in fact, professionals? But we'll get to those topics shortly. But first up, I want to make a few final comments about our, our topic from last Sunday, that of two high school football coaches using really hated terms from the Holocaust in their coaching techniques. As you might remember, the head football coach at Duxbury High School outside Boston had his players use terms like Auschwitz, uh, rabbi, dreidel, as audibles in games. Another head coach remained posted flyers in the high school locker room that basically said, work shall set you free. As you remember, the coach from Duxbury, he was fired. The coach from Maine was suspended for a game. Look, we all know and recognize that making mistakes in judgment, look, that's the essence of being human. And with both of these coaches, they immediately took responsibility and were held accountable for their errors, and that's, that's good. But I just wish there had been much more of a teachable moment here, specifically that the coaches, well, 
if either perhaps they had been asked to put together a substantial class or lecture uh, about why what they said and why it was wrong, or even write a term paper about insensitivity and to go into more detail about the Holocaust. Or perhaps the schools could have arranged to have a trip to a Holocaust museum so that the students themselves could see for themselves the stark photos and read the awful personal accounts of being in, in a concentration camp. My point is, by just firing a coach or suspending one, well, that sort of means the issue has come and gone with very little impact. And of course, i got to tell you, I feel the same way about these teachable moments if the coaches had used other terms regarding other groups, whether they've been, I don't know, African-Americans or Native Americans or any other members of a diverse group. Look, we all agree that education and repetition is the key to helping eliminate these prejudices. So why not just do that? Use education to teach our kids our athletes, and do so especially, especially when these unfortunate incidents and judgments do in fact occur. Now look, I know some coaches as part of a process to teach accountability to their players, they, they will have their youngsters or student athletes write a term paper as part of their punishment to reinforce what they did wrong and why it was wrong. It's very, very effective. And I think it's something that all coaches and teachers and, of course, parents should think about. Uh, not many kids like to write term papers. We know that. But when they're forced to sit down and really think about what, what their actions were all about and what they, how they can learn from their lack of good judgment, it's very, very powerful. And again, if it works for kids, it works for coaches as well. I just wish there had been more of a, as I say, a teachable moment that we could have seized upon with these two incidents up in Boston and up in Maine. Okay, that's my Easter Sunday sermon. Taking responsibility is just half of the job. Seizing a teachable moment and making sure that the lesson actually sinks in, that's the second half of the task. All right, moving on. I mentioned the Northwoods League. Uh, they're going on on a most ambitious financial gambit, uh, and, and, and it's moving forward to help subsidize their teams in their league this coming summer by not only allowing gambling on their games, but actually encouraging their fans who come to the ballpark to do so. Now, just a little background. The Northwoods League is legit. They've been around for 30 or so years. Uh, they send uh, a lot of kids on to professional ball, and many kids go on to the big leagues. A uh, couple of names off the top of my head, uh, Curtis Granison played Northwoods League. Pete Alonzo played there. You know, this is a really good, solid college summer league. It's, uh, you know, right there, like, along with the, uh, the Cape Cod League. So anyhow, they, they decided that the, the owners and the administration, uh, the management of Northwoods, I guess in a move to engage more baseball fans and to get more fans to attend their games, they have hired an outside consulting firm called U.S. Integrity, which is going to oversee how to allow gambling at the Northwoods ball games this summer. Now, U.S. Integrity, it's a consulting company which specializes in gambling, and they basically make sure everything is above board. They are hired by colleges college conferences to make sure no nonsense is involved, such as uh, well, point shaving or any kind of uh, manipulation of game outcomes, uh, especially obviously all dealing with betting. 
The Northwoods League has 22 teams in Minnesota, Michigan, Iowa, uh, Indiana, and so on. And as I said, they've hired U.S. Integrity to serve as a, as a watchdog. Now, again, maybe I really shouldn't be surprised by this. I mean, lots of people gamble on college basketball and college football, so I imagine it's natural to assume that fans will bet on college baseball as well. But it just seems a bit jarring to me that a summer collegiate baseball league would actually be so bold as to hire a consulting firm to oversee and make sure that all the wagering is on the up and up. The Northwoods folks, they not only hope that the wagering will attract lots of fans, but the fans will stay engaged in the games uh, because they can pet on, obviously, key moments during the course of the game itself. I think what's a little different in this case is that the Amateur League is openly courting and encouraging fans to basically come to their games so they can actively bet. And I think that's that's a little bit new. That's a little odd to me. Um, anyhow, the Northwoods League, by the way, up until the pandemic, it wasn't like they were struggling. They were drawing lots and lots of uh, people to the ballparks. So obviously they've been doing well. They just think this is from their perspective. It's all about keeping their fans engaged. The theory goes that uh, when fans have money bet on the game, they are more likely to stick around in the ballpark and see what happens. Meanwhile, as part of their operation, U.S. Integrity, the consulting firm that's consulting on this thing, uh, they're going to make sure that the managers and the college players themselves are not involved in any wagering or gambling on the games. And, you know, uh, look, let's face it, uh, this, we're in, we're, we're in a, a brave new world when it comes to gambling and wagering on, on sports. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, I also want to talk this morning about, as I said, whether or not we're at the point where college athletes on scholarship are now to be considered as professionals. And this is something that we've discussed many times over the years. It's an age-old issue. And to a certain extent... Chances are good that it's going to be finally decided later this spring by the United States Supreme Court. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, there, were, there were arguments presented this past week to the Supreme Court, and most of the justices were focusing on whether college athletes can be compensated on NIL issues. NIL stands for Name, Likeness, and Image. And again, I, I, the questioning from the judges, the justices, was, they were pretty tough on the attorney for the NCAA. Uh, most of the news reports covering the, uh, the, uh, the Supreme Court made it clear that the, uh, the Supreme Court was really questioning whether the concept of student-athletes as amateurs still works in this day and age of multi-million uh, dollar coaching salaries and profits for the universities and for the NCAA. And of course... Everybody acknowledges that the athletic scholarships are nice, but the numbers really pale in terms of the monies being generated. Uh, and whatever the ruling Supreme Court makes, it looks pretty clear that it's going to have a huge impact on where we are today with college athletics. Uh, and in short, if athletes are allowed to profit from NIL, well, does that make them professionals? And are we on basically on the precipice of seeing the concept of amateur co college athletics finally go by the board? And is that a good or a bad thing? And is it going to be inevitable? All right, let's talk about these issues this morning. Uh, again, one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's uh, start with uh, with Rob out in Lake Success. Good morning, Rob. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. First of all, unbelievable game last night, and you know I just this is where I want to go with what you were talking about. 
with the topic as far as uh, professional, you know, for college players getting paid. You saw what we saw yesterday was pure amateur sports as far as athletes not getting paid, you know, playing a game where the universities are making tremendous amounts of money. Now, we've talked many, many times. I'm taking the side of old school. I think that college athletes should not, as far as get paid in a sense that, you know, the way they they want to go down the road. Because here's my thought process. Number one, there's so few professional, um, these players, there's so few of them are going to have this opportunity to actually make money, all right? There's so many sports out there, and how do you decide which is the sport should be the one that the athletes should be getting paid? Now, if you go along these play, you know, these players, like the, the basketball players, okay, Timmy, for instance, and Shugs, obviously they're going to be NBA players. But out of the college athletes, 3% of every high school athlete will make an NCAA program. Mm-hmm. And out of, and, and these, are, these are stats. You can look them up online. It's, it's anywhere between... You know, one in six percent, depending on the sport, okay, will actually get an opportunity out of high school to get to play, you know, college sports, all right? And mm-hmm. out of those small percentages, you're talking about a handful, a handful of players are going to have this opportunity to make money. And, and I just think that it's going to cause more problems because people are going to, you know, these college athletes are going to concentrate on making money. There's going to be jealousy going on. There's also going to be they're going to want to jump from you know college to college, which I think is uh, I might be incorrect, but is there going to be an opportunity these these athletes can now go from one school to that yeah, well, getting playing time that they can now <laughs> go to another school? I mean, and and, Rob, and that's it's yeah. it's it's going to be if this plays out as most legal experts think it will, there is going to be just an avalanche of changes. For example, you mentioned about the fact that uh, can, can the athletes transfer without By red-shirting. To... Well, that or, or red-shirting is obviously a little different from, from sitting out a year when you transfer, but chances are the, the, that sitting out a year will, will go away. I mean, they'll just say no, because the kids say, and it's hard to disagree with them about this. And I'm trying to be as objective as possible. But the college athletes say, you know, if my coach gets a job to go someplace else, he doesn't have to sit out a year before he gets that job. He can coach right away and make another even more money than he's making now. So why do I have to sit out a year before I can play? And after all, if another college student transferred to another college, they don't have to sit out for a year before they can attend class. So they look upon this as being totally unfair. And I, I, you know, that's that's a pretty compelling argument. Now, another thing, too, Rob, Jalen Suggs. Now, who knows if he'll go on to the NBA or not, but under this new proposed uh, movement about NIL, I mean, theoretically, uh, he'd be entitled to – look, a lot of kids are going to come to him for his autograph because, obviously, it's a huge buzzer beater to, in, the, in the Final Four. But he can sell his autograph now and do it legitimately if this ruling goes through. He can says, "I'm not, you know, I'm not just going to give you a free autograph. I'll sell it to you. I'll go to a, you know, a, a collectibles uh, convention, whatever, and I can sell my autograph and make some money off it." Because 
you know, he's saying, I'm just getting a scholarship, but everybody else is making money, including the NCAA, including, you know, the, the colleges, the coaches. Why can't I make some money off this? And I, it's, it's hard because it's going to totally change the concept of, of, of student-athletes. And, I, you know, Rob, I, it's going to be funny. It's going to be curious to see how the, how the Supreme Court handles this one. Well, I, I, you know, I'll tell you, Rick, I think, I think they're going to pass it. I, I really think they're going to go down the road because, I mean, just to touch on one last thing, and I know you have a lot of other calls, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. this gambling thing going on with, with, with this, this league yeah. is horrific. <laughs> I mean, how – look, we understand gambling is, is so popular now in sports, but, I mean, to imagine a league is hiring, you know, a, 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 an organization to oversee to make sure that it's, it's legit. I mean, I remember <laughs> – I have some of these old programs from the 1950s, the 50s scandal, okay, at Madison Square Garden with, you know, TCNY. I mean – there was gambling going on back then, but they, you know, and talk about uh, Pete Rose in, in, in every it's, major league locker room. No gambling is allowed. I mean, this is something, I know it's a different time, but I mean, to, to, to have a league that to, to make, to keep it alive and to maybe, you know, make it more popular, devoted to gambling? I got to take a break, but yeah, you, this is, we live in interesting times, my friend. It's as simple as that. Thanks, Rob. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Look, let me take a time out. Obviously, we're talking about what's happening here with college athletics, and uh, a lot of a lot of things are changing. I do anticipate the Supreme Court is going to make some ruling in late June, and I do think they're probably going to uh, really change the you know, the way it is in terms of college athletics and the whole concept of student athletes going to change dramatically. But we'll see. And I'm curious to get your thoughts about this. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. That's so number when I come back, I'll go right back to the calls. New York's number one sports radio, 1019 FM, the fan, WFAN. Back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking this morning about uh, what kind of what kind of ruling is the Supreme Court going to make uh, later this spring regarding college athletes and whether they can start to to profit and cash in on personal endorsement deals regarding their name, likeness, and image? Uh, I mean, th- this could conceivably cover everything from profiting from one's uh, social media profile to even things, as I mentioned before, about charging for an autograph uh, from, from autograph collectors, uh, which is not allowed now, but kids could do that if this thing goes down the pathway, I think it might, with the United States Supreme Court. You know, when I had on uh, Noah Savage a few weeks ago, he had talked about the Ed O'Bannon case from a few years back when the NCAA did a deal with EA Sports in which the video game uh, they manufactured at that time featured the names and likenesses of top college basketball players, such as Ed O'Bannon, who played at UCLA. O'Bannon sued, and he won. Courts agreed with him that the NCAA had no right to sell and profit from his name and likeness without giving him compensation. And as I recall, uh, as a part of that lawsuit, lots and lots of college basketball players shared in the winnings uh, from the uh, suit, including Noah, who had played at Princeton, and he wore number 35, and whose likeness uh, playing for Princeton appeared in the video game. That kind of precedent is fueling a lot of the not-NCAA property movement uh, that you keep hearing about in the last few weeks. And as some of these uh, athletes have pointed out, if a kid is on an academic scholarship, not, not a sports scholarship, an academic scholarship, and if that youngster can earn money serving, let's say, as a, as a tutor, 
or a kid on a music scholarship can sell a, a music album, or a regular student athlete who has a major uh, social media following as an influencer and make money, why can't an athlete pretty much follow in the same way? And it's, it's a good question. It's a naughty question, and it has tremendous uh, possible repercussions when it comes to college athletics. You know, in fact, I can even recall having the same discussion with my dad uh, some years ago. He was, he was talking uh, with the legendary St. John's basketball coach, Lou Carnesecca, uh, and their discussion was about just paying college athletes a stipend. Basically, pay the athletes a salary each year for their four years of eligibility, and you can also offer them a chance to go to class if they want to. They don't have to go to class, but at least offer that, that perk as well. And I, you know, so basically we're just saying, and this again, this is 40 years ago, this conversation, pay the athletes uh, a salary, and uh, they can go and get a degree if they want to do that, but there's no, they're just getting away from the ruse of consider them as student-athletes. Uh, again, that was a long time ago before all the TV money began to funnel in and change the financial landscape uh, of college sports. All right, let's, let's get back to our calls. Let's go to uh, Jeff in Long Beach. Good morning, Jeff. You're next up on the fan. Hey, Rick. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. All right. Um, I mean, the student-athlete thing about students is such a charade. They should be getting paid because they generate so much profit for the university. I mean, you have four, four schools in the Final Four yesterday, Gonzaga, Baylor, UCLA, Houston. I mean, some young man, you know, or woman, 15 years old might be thinking, hey, they just went into the Final Four. I want to go to that school. It gives the school so much notoriety. Correct. And the part about being a student, oh, I'm sorry, I got you saying? I hear it. Go ahead. Um, okay. And the part about being a student, um, I don't like naming names or throwing shade, but let me tell you, within the last 10 to 20 years, a family friend of mine, her daughter went down to a very prestigious school known for its basketball down south, was friendly with a player who was um, who eventually ended up being a high draft pick in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and the daughter said that this player was a smart kid, but he couldn't take any legit classes because of practice schedules, game travel, and other stuff. So, really, like, what is the term student athlete? What are they really getting out of education? They want their GPAs up. They want to take easy classes. So, it's really about playing sports and basketball. So, they should be compensated because if the coaches and the university is getting paid, so should the athletes. Well, Jeff, I mean, that's, I, I think that is very much uh, it, it right there. Uh, that is the essence of, I think, this, this major controversy, and we'll see if the Supreme Court 
the sides uh, along those lines. Jeff, thank you. Thank you for the call this morning. You know, I, I, I just don't know how the Supreme Court can be very funky. I'm hardly a, 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 an expert on constitutional law in the Supreme Court, but I do know that sometimes they make rulings that are very finite, very limited. Sometimes they're more expansive. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they're I think they're going to judging from the way they quizzed and really peppered the attorney for the NCAA uh, the other day, it seemed to me that there seems to be that they're leaning like, okay, we want the kids, the athletes today, to be able to profit uh, on name and image and likeness as to whether they're going to start saying that the kids, the, the concept of student-athlete, which has been around for a long, long time, is going to go away and go by the boards. I just don't know. But, you know, the fact is the Supreme Court, I mean, <laughs> they're aware of the fact that Today, in today's world, not back in the 70s or in the 50s, but today, in today's world, college coaches at the Division One level make huge salaries, multi-million dollar salaries. So do their bosses, the athletic directors. And, of course, we know the colleges profit from the huge TV contracts and the millions and millions. I mean, and also... So do the people at the NCAA. Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, reportedly earns more than $2 million a year. So the question is, okay, yes, the players, yes, those who are lucky enough to receive a full scholarship uh, and in college at Division I, uh, you know, they walk out of college with perhaps a degree and, yes, no debt. And that, that's substantial to walk out of college these days with no student debt. But those athletes who play at Division One or Division Two, who only receive partial scholarships, well, they're looking at either uh, having loans to repay when they get out of school or other ways to finance their, their college education. And, yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about here. Why do they have to go into debt when everybody else is making all this money? And that's why the system, at least for a lot of people, seems to be out of whack. And I think we can certainly agree upon that. Um, let's go to... Um, Let's go to Jack Smithlin. Morning, Jack. What do you think about all this? How are you, Rick? Good, and Jack. Happy, e- happy Easter and belated Passover to, um, to everyone. Um, you know, thinking about the, the Northwoods League, first of all, yeah. um, and betting, this is a college league, remember. And one of my questions, are they going to sell alcohol at the games? I mean, you know, I mean, if, if you're thinking about betting, and one of the first things I think as a, as a health teacher, talking about things that we become addicted to, um, betting is an, is an addiction. And it's a, it's a serious addiction because it's like, you know, it comes in the back door. You make a little bet here, you win a couple bucks, and you say, wow, this is pretty good. And then all of a sudden, and this company that's, gonna t- that's going to monitor, or how are they going to monitor somebody <laughs> approaching a player all right, and saying, listen, you know, <laughs> you know, I know I'm struggling right now. I mean, you know, I'm in college. I'm trying to make it to pro ball. You know, I'm not going to make a lot of money in pro ball, but you know, how are you going? How are they going to monitor that? I, I mean, seriously, I don't know. I don't, I, Jack, and, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> kid is, as we just talked about, the kids are going to be apparently cautioned and warned uh, not to in any way partake of this. Uh, don't, if somebody approaches you to report it and so on and so forth. But I don't know how you, how you obviously go through this. The kids, you know, who are in debt, uh, you know, looking to make a few extra bucks, how, they're going to say everybody else is making money. How come I can't make money on this? And that's, that's, that's a huge temptation. 
And it's been done before. I mean, so many scandals. Tulane, and I remember the Tulane scandal in basketball. The kid who started the whole thing was from my hometown, Fairland, New Jersey. But here's, here's another quick story, and then I'll get off, um, even though you and I haven't talked for a while. Um, I remember when one of my sons was being recruited. Big school, okay, a big, big athletic school. And we knew somebody on campus, so I contacted him. I said, listen, we're going to come, not even as a paid visit. We're going to just come and walk around. He says, hey, you come, come meet me at my dorm, at my jock house, actually. They had dorms for their football and basketball players. And, you know, and I'll show you around. Well, we went to, the, we went to his apartment, and we walked in, and he was still in the shower. And sitting on his coffee table was a roll of money. Mm-hmm. And I knew this kid personally, and I said, you know, what are you doing? He goes, oh, well, you know, we're given we're given like four to six tickets for every home game, okay? And we're given like two tickets for every away game, and, you know, we can sell them. We sell them. I give them to somebody who sells them for me, mm-hmm. and, you know, and they give me the money and put it in an account. I said, are you kidding me? And said, no, no, it's, it's, it's done all over, the, all over the place. So when Noah was talking a few weeks ago about athletes getting paid already, this is already happening. He's mm-hmm. 150% correct. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a scholarship at a big university, let's say, you know, Notre Dame or something that's worth probably close to $200,000 for four years. You know, I can honestly say when I first started my teaching career, it took me 10 years to make $200,000. So, you know, I, I'm with Rob on this one, Dr. Rob. I mean, this is old school. I'm old school. And, you know, this is, this is going to do away with amateur athletics. Oh, there's no question. Uh, you know, literally, literally, go ahead. I was going to say, and look, you, you coach at a Division three softball program. I mean, those kids are not yep. on scholarship. They are paying out of their pocket uh, with mom and dad yep. and, and taking loans. And they're going to start asking questions like, well, why don't we get scholarships at the very least? Because we're the ones that are basically the the essence, the the, the, the pure ones who are just pay, playing the game for the fun of it. But, you know, this is right. this is nuts. And you say, well, only those gifted athletes are ones that get scholarships. It, it, it's going to be yep. very, very difficult to see how this all breaks down uh, if the Supreme Court decides, Jack, to, to allow all this to, you know, the whole concept of student athlete to be sort of fade away into the sunset. So let me, uh, let me move on, my friend. Thank you, as always, for your thoughts. We'll see what happens. Okay, friends, let me just, uh, I want to tell you about a Yankee ticket giveaway. Now, right now, you could, if you are caller number three, at 866-540-WFAN, that's 866-540-9326, to win a pair of field MVP tickets to see the Yankees take on the Baltimore Orioles tomorrow, April 5th, at Yankee Stadium. Now, the tickets will be electronic. Winners have to comply with the Yankee Stadium COVID testing protocols. But again, this is a great opportunity. It's all from your flagship station for the Yankees. Talk, tickets, and every game, the fan. Listen again in the next hour for another chance to win. Okay, let me take a quick time out. When I come back, we'll continue our conversation about what's going to happen with colleges and student-athletes. Stay with me. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Fan. W-F-A-N.
Hey, uh, don't forget that uh, 9 o'clock this morning, Richard Neer will come along. And, of course, uh, it's always a delight to listen to what Richard has to offer in the world of sports. Again, he comes along at 9 this morning following me. Uh, and at, I have to tell you, as more and more spring teams and athletes are heading back into action, just a quick reminder that now is a perfect time to, to pick up a copy of Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed for your youngster. Uh, you can buy a print version, or you can buy a, an ebook, or even the audio version of uh, Secrets of Sports Psych Revealed. Uh, you can just go to Amazon right now and, and get a copy. Uh, the book uh, continues to get rave reviews, and I would definitely suggest if your youngster plays sports and wants to get a better sense of their mental preparation for their competitions, this is a good book to have. Uh, right now we're talking, of course, about uh, college athletes, whether they can make money on endorsement deals and what's going to happen when the Supreme Court... Uh, uh, decides, uh, in a, I guess probably in late June, they'll hand down their, their ruling. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know what's going to take place. Uh, obviously, it depends on what uh, how the Supreme Court feels about all this and how they're going to lay out the landscape. But, you know, and we also, let's be candid, we also know that when it comes to endorsement deals, uh, theoretically, it's really going to benefit only the superstars at the collegiate level. Most of the college athletes will probably not have be able to make money uh, just because they're sort of relatively anonymous when it comes to their sports uh, accomplishments. But I have to tell you, never discount the fact that uh, college athletes can be very entrepreneurial, and they might find other ways to find or land endorsement situations that they want to profit from because they are a member of a, of a college athletic program. So again, this is Really, truly uncharted territory. We'll see how this goes down. But again, it hasn't happened yet. And again, the Supreme Court might come out and say, no, we don't want to change anything at all. We're happy the way things are going. Okay, let's go to, um, let's go next to Brick, uh, New Jersey. Tom is standing, standing by. Tom, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Long time no talk, Commissioner. Remember <laughs> uh, the last time I called, I wanted you to run for Commissioner of Youth Sport. Yes, Tom, as I do. And I, I tell you, I, I think of, I think about this quite often too. Uh, Little League baseball makes a fortune off minor children, and you know what they get when they leave after the Little League World Series? They get a bag with about three hundred dollars worth of sports gear. That's correct. Well, this with this ruling, if it goes through, uh, have any effect on these children? being recognized financially at all? That's a really good observation, Tom. I don't know. I, you know, I think the focus of this particular litigation is on college athletics. The NCAA is basically looking for some guidance and clearance and clarification. But to your point, Little League Baseball, and I've talked about this for years and years on this show, yeah, they make a lot of money. Uh, and yes, you are absolutely correct. When the kids get to Williamsport, they get a bag, a goodie bag of you know everything from I don't know batting gloves, maybe a couple of new bats, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's not worth all that much money in the grand scheme of things. And you say, okay, well, you know, and of course they get a trophy. I guess you know everybody gets a trophy these days. But the point is that Little League Baseball. I mean, these people there who work there make fabulous salaries. Obviously, ESPN, which pays for the rights, pays millions and millions of dollars, which a lot of money goes to the, the coffers of Little League Baseball. I, you know, so the, the kids are playing basically like, like junior college athletes. They, they're not getting paid, nor are their parents getting any of their profits. They just, um, they just play for fun, which is a wonderful and admirable thing. But as you said, Tom, 
I don't know, is this going to have a major impact on Little League Baseball or other youth organizations, not just Little League Baseball, but other operations where somebody's making money and the kids, the athletes themselves, which are in fact the product on the field, they don't share in the revenue? Good question. If I were uh, running a youth league operation, I'd be watching all this very, very carefully to see what kind of potential impact this may have on my own operation. Again, could be Little League Baseball, could be uh, ASO Soccer, it could be AAU Basketball, whatever it might be, you got to pay attention to how this is going to play out because somebody, somebody's going to start asking the same questions. Tom, thank you okay, for the call. another aspect of this. Yeah. I know a Little League in New Jersey that the, the kids made it all the way. And they had to raise money for the families to go up there. Because nobody ever expected that it would cost so much to go see a kid play baseball. Yeah, yeah, and it's all upon the parents have to have to fuel all this. Not, not, not the, uh, you know, it, it's not upon the league. The league says, well, we pay for the kids, but we're not paying for the parents to show up here. <laughs> it's, it's, I, you know, Tom, we talked about this before. The reason why I started to campaign for a commissioner of youth sports is to look upon all these kind of operations so that parents who are basically paying for these travel and club sports and, and, and everything else, that somebody has a place to say, yeah, that's not right. You have to make sure that, that the kids and their parents aren't going into debt so the kids can play uh, for your team or your league. That's the, the original genesis of having a commissioner. And I still think it makes a lot of sense. And I do still think that uh, as, as time goes on, as amateur sports get more and more complicated, as we saw with the pandemic, we really need that. Tom, thank you for the good thoughts. Let me take some other calls. Appreciate your, your comments this morning. Let's, uh, let's go on to, uh, to Lou in Lindbrook. Hey, Lou, good morning. You're next up on the fan. And I know you're a college coach. So I know all this stuff is something you're thinking about as well. Yes. Yes. I just want to say, uh, happy Passover, happy uh, uh, Easter to all your listeners, to you and your family as well. Thank you. I, I have a few thoughts. Yeah. I believe the courts will decide as long as the athletes appear on TV and college teams are compensated by the TV contracts, so will the college athletes be able to receive compensation. And I also believe there'll be a triple-down effect. Remember years ago when LeBron James was a high school player yep. and they showed the games on TV, what, how great the TV ratings where they were off the charts. Now, how are you going to pay a kid like that who's a great player in this kind of a situation? Patrick Mahomes, chief quarterback, has a baby daughter who received a soccer scholarship. She's not even six months old yet. How can I? I'm a soccer coach at Vaughn College of Engineering. How can I compete against something like that? I mean, it's ridiculous. And, uh, Rick, I got another comment on the Ducks-Blairy uh, football situation. Yeah, hello. Uh, the football teams were ordered to take two workshops on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the next football game was canceled. And yes. also, the Anti-Defamation League got involved, and they're not letting down on Ducksbury football right now. Good. I'm glad about that. Yeah, because I said I, it was not clear from the uh, from the press reports as to what was gonna what was gonna be the aftermath of all this, and I'm glad to hear that somebody somewhere is saying no, we gotta basically teach the kids. That's who we're really worried about here, you know, what what went wrong and what what they need to know about the Holocaust and so on and so forth, and why this kind of prejudice is is totally totally uh, contrary 
uh, to good judgment. So I'm glad to hear that the people are doing things up in Boston to make sure this doesn't happen again. But again, this was a golden opportunity, as you know, Lou, to, to basically make sure the kids could benefit from the, 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 uh, the lack Ryan. of judgment but from the coach. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, you know, words, words is so powerful, and coaches got to realize how they're using their words and how important it is that you, you're bringing up kids the right way and not doing any of this kind of nonsense. But, Louie, you, you raise a good point about, the, and we, we, we chuckle at it, about the Patrick Mahomes and his daughter, I mean, being offered a, a soccer scholarship, but she's not even six months old yet. Yeah, that's that's what's going to start to happen, trickle down, as we see this kind of stuff get more and more complicated because the money is staggering. And, it, you know, for, for our younger listeners, it wasn't like this back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, college coaches made, you know, fine salaries, but not what they make today. Uh, and, and there was a more of a balance uh, in terms of the TV revenue for college uh, games to be uh, broadcast. But now it's just yeah. so out of whack that it's like the kids are, the kids are smart enough to go and say, what do we get out of this besides a scholarship, you know? Sports is turning into a money grab, a cesspool. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, and it's it's uh, it's going to need some real, some real direction. And uh, again, we'll have to wait and see how the Supreme Court uh, comes down on this topic. Rick, we need you as a commissioner for college and high school. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> uh, it is the thing is, uh, it is a very very complex issue, as you know, Lou. And it's going to take a long time for people to go through this and come up with a reasonable game plan. I think they'll go step by step, but it's going to have to be totally overhauled to figure out what happens next. And, and, and Louie, thank you as always for the call. Um, you know, it, it is funny. I was thinking back uh, when I was coaching at Mercy College, you know, back in the 80s. Again, that's Division Two baseball. But I can very vividly recall going through the NCAA handbook, uh, the rule book on, on recruiting and, and, and so on and so forth. And it was as thick as, as, as an old Manhattan telephone book. It was just unbelievably thick and it was complicated and confusing. And again, that's how it was back in the day. I'm sure it's gotten even more complicated these days. It's as simple as that, and we need to sort of clarify this so that people understand exactly what's available and what your student-athlete can and can't do when it comes to you know, getting a scholarship in college or becoming uh, trying to find some outside ways of, of making some money. Let's continue on. Let's go to Wally in Huntington. Hey, Wally, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. I tried to get on last week, and I didn't make the cut. Yeah, so I'm basically okay. I'm happy about that. Good. Two things, real quick. Uh, did that that coach slash teacher, special ed teacher, claim he didn't know about the Holocaust and the words and stuff like that? Yes. That he's been he's been living in a cave. I got to tell you something. That's ridiculous. I taught special ed for 39 years and coached, and I used to bring people in who were survivors into my class to talk to mm. them. Yep. So that was that was one thing. The second thing is when I went to I played basketball for a local uh, basketball factories. And um, every year we were brought into a room and we were dressed by two FBI agents about the possibility of gambling and people that offer us money to mm -hmm. throw games. Mm -hmm. I told not to talk to anybody. If anybody asks you how so-and-so feeling today, just shrug your shoulders and walk away. Mm -hmm. And they were paranoid about it. They were petrified about these things happening. So with all the, all the advertisements for gambling that's on your station and other stations, I know you can't make a comment about it, but the thing is that uh, it's just a matter of time before $25,000 to a college kid is a lot of money, but to high-placed gamblers and stuff like that, it's not much money. So it's just I think it's just a matter of time before you're going to have a scandal. And I, I, I hate to say that, but 
I think that's what's going to happen. Well, Wally, I, you know, I, I've said on the air uh, several times in the past that I do worry about uh, point shaving and, and college scandals. And, and um, look, there's just a, a long history of that dating back to early 1950s. And, yes. and the fact is that's a reality. And, I, I, you know, we also have to balance the fact that gambling is now legal in many, many states. And, and the fact is, yeah, if you, you can do that. But you're right. I mean, there's always a temptation uh, for a college kid who's trying to scrape by to, to pay his or her bills. And if somebody comes along and says, hey, what's wrong with your teammate? How come uh, he's, he seems to be hobbling? Is he going to play uh, in the big game on Saturday? I mean, this is what happens. And, and, and yeah, it's always out there. Yes, we know there are the coaches uh, and educators do the best they can to teach the kids not to get involved or to be, be wary of this. But, you know, the kids are saying, well, come on now. I mean, this is how bad can it be? It's legal. I mean, so it, it's hard to, for kids uh, who've grown up in our society today where betting is omnipresent to sort of say, well, why can't I, you know, say something or do something or well, whatever? And again, like the Northwoods League. I mean, how do you tell the college baseball players saying, well, you know, understand you cannot gamble, you cannot partake of this, be careful who you talk to, who you associate with. Yeah, but the league is out there trying to promote the, the gambling no. to get more, more fannies in the seats. It's really That's the problem. Weird. You know, I left out also we had a look at a scrapbook which had old newspaper articles about the scandals that had been in the past, and we had a sign it and dated that we saw that, so nothing would come down on us, you know, that we really couldn't say we didn't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, but again, the fact that we're at a point where all these college athletes are now questioning all this stuff, uh, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult, as you said, to monitor all this. Um, you know, the, the, there's a, the Knight Commission, which has been around for a few years. They're watching all of this, uh, and they've made recommendations and so on and so forth. But again, it's up to right now for the NCAA uh, to try to monitor what's going on, and boy, oh boy, we always know they're they're under undermanned and short-staffed. I, I just, it's going to be just an amazing situation down the road. Hey, Wally, thank you for your thoughts and your comments. Uh, and yeah, I do believe that. I, I do think I've used this, the phrase many times on the air about we're in a wild, wild west situation, and not just with uh, travel teams and and club teams and how they're watched over, but also, of course, with now what's going to happen with the Supreme Court and college student-athletes and whether the term student-athletes become obsolete will go like go away like the dodo bird. It's going to be unbelievable what happens down the road here. Uh, and all we can do is sit back and watch and see what, what takes place. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Connor Green. Please stick around for Richard Neary's up next. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.